Welcome to Karmic Imprints, a podcast that explores the unconscious stories, mythologies, soul memories, astrological archetypes, ancestral legacies, past life patterns, and historical happenings that drive us to support the process of awakening to and engaging with this underlying psychic content in a more conscious and intentional way. I'm your host, Diana Westley, an evolutionary astrologer, spiritual coach, and lover of all things archetypal. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Karmic Imprints podcast. For today's episode, we'll be connecting with Shirin Oberg, a Kurdish channel energy healer, yoga instructor, doula, and spiritual teacher based out of Sweden. She's also a student of theology and the divine feminine mysteries and has a special affinity for the divine mother archetype, which we'll be exploring together today. Sheeran is a published author through Hay House and recently released an oracle deck under her business name and ideology, The Law of Positivism. For those tuning in over YouTube, we'll offer a sneak peek of this beautiful new deck at the end of the episode. Sheeran, thank you so much for joining us today. I'd love it if you would share a few words about yourself, your journey with the Divine Mother, and what she represents to you. Thank you first for that beautiful introduction and uh, a, a good abstract of my work because it's, uh, I mean, this this topic is so big and, and the work that both me and you are doing are on so many levels that it's hard sometimes to narrow it down into like a concise uh, concise. Uh, little story but thank you so much for having me I'm really excited to be here on your beautiful podcast and together with you online again and just um, yeah I mean where do I start it's been a long journey um, I would say that the my interest and my um, I don't know if you say affinity or attraction and pull towards the the mystical and the divine and to God, the goddess has been since I was a child. So it's been a part of my life since I remember. And it came from different experiences that I've had and through just being in, sometimes in two worlds, in this three-dimensional world and then in the dream world very intensely and having experiences. And for me, it also became very clear uh, when my grandfather passed away now exactly 20 years ago. Uh, it initiated me into a deeper communion with the divine because, and also to the mysteries because I finally understood that we have so much higher senses than our physical. And I was 14. So... It was a path that led me into a deeper journey. I was always interested in reading uh, mystical books since I was a teenager and also had like a prayer practice very, very early on. And then that evolved into uh, astrology and, and yoga and meditation, especially 
for coping with everything else that was happening in life and the path that I was on on my career and everything. And then love positivism was born as a desire to share and to create um, a higher vibration. I was this was back in 2014. I felt like everything that I was seeing on social media back then was really negative and programmed and somehow putting most people down. And that that was nine years ago now. And you can imagine how much has happened since then. But I wanted to do these positive uh, affirmations and Instagram wasn't that big yet. And I started sharing there. And then I did a rake initiation, I think, the same year or the year after, with which also happened synchronistically. I didn't even know what Reiki healing was, but everything aligned. And I went to Japan and started. And I felt like that was my path, that not only for my own healing, but for others' healing and the world healing and, and the past and present and future healing of all of us together, because we're not here on a just a single separate journey we're all affecting each other in different ways so that's how it started and then i got into chinese medicine working with um births with it, it became very clear to me that i was going to work with women somehow especially after experiences i had when i uh, did a yoga training in in thailand uh, this was like five, six years ago, the the divine feminine appeared to me in a specific form. And uh, that was the form of uh, goddess Ishtar or Inanna in the Mesopotamian tradition. And I'm Kurdish, which is Kurdistan is Mesopotamia. So it was really clear that uh, I got deeper into the women's mysteries and um, the mysteries of our cycles and our female uh, womb-connected journey and cycles that we go through from actually from when we're born into menopause and post-menopause and all of that. So I found that very interesting and a deeper devotion came in because for me, in my spiritual practice, devotion is is the key. That's what I focus on. And I've also dedicated myself to the path of devotion and connecting deeper and deeper with these, um, uh, yeah, beautiful stories and mythologies and experiences with the divine feminine. So that's how I came to this place where I am now. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us, Sharon. Um, there's components of that kind of background or that past that I knew just from knowing you over the years now, but some of that was new to me. I didn't realize just how heavily um, kind of experiences abroad and with different cultures and connecting with, I guess, kind of this 
divine mother energy in other parts of the world also influenced your work because I know it comes from your deep Kurdish roots. Um, I know that you've kind of explored some of the the feminine archetypes and energy within Scandinavia as well. Um, but that's just really interesting to hear that you know some of it roots in parts of Asia and things like that too. Um, yeah. Really, kind of a global experience of this divine feminine energy. It is. And I would say that I realized that it was sometimes uh, unconsciously, but going to different power places in the world and uh, getting different activations. I remember before I even started the law of positivism, visiting the pyramids in Mexico and that activation, what started the processes that started. So sometimes when we go to certain places or southern Europe has so much history and and this these ancient traditions of priestesses that also stemmed from the Mesopotamian um, cultures and then up here in Sweden and the Nordics how strong that is and the area where I am is really it's filled with since I'm studying also now the the, the religions of ancient uh Norse uh, regions it's also so filled with with mystical and also very divine feminine energy as well because what I see is that when we come back and go back as far as we can there's always been a, a connection with the divine mother because when when people saw a human being birthing another human being as a creator, that's the image maybe they got from what has created us all from the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely would have seemed pretty magical. I mean, it's still a very magical thing to witness and to experience and be part of this process of bringing a new life into the world. But um, especially thinking, you know, many millennia ago before we really understood the human body in the detail that we do today <laughs> um, and kind of like the human reproductive system and all of that, it would have just seemed like the most magical and wondrous and amazing thing to, to see this new life be um, grown with within, you know, women and then brought out into the world. Um, but, but yeah, it's, I, for those who are familiar with astrology and we're going to, you know, touch a little bit more on kind of this, divine mother and mother archetype and astrology. Um, but Sharon and I, something we share in common is a moon-Jupiter conjunction in our birth charts. And the moon does have this link to the mother, um, both the divine mother and also quite literally our experience of our own personal mother um, and kind of the mother or the, the nurturing inclination and impulse within us as well. Um, and then Jupiter is this very expansive principle often linked to travel, to experiences with different cultures, also to belief systems and in spirituality. And so um so it's it's I always love when I'm um chatting with someone either on the podcast or in life and you're getting to see these um really interesting things that you know we experience personally in our birth charts also kind of playing out in our life story these um moments of kind of divine inspiration which in this case with that moon Jupiter conjunction involve kind of this um you know, awakening of this mother energy, this divine feminine energy, the moon. Um, 
while traveling, while having these, um, you know, kind of spiritual experiences abroad. Um, and also, um, I'd say for Sharon and, and myself as well, there is this um, kind of deep connection to the Divine Mother in our own spirituality and spiritual practices. Um, so if you have a Moon-Jupiter conjunction in your birth chart, if um, you know there's some sort of major aspect happening between the Moon and Jupiter by progression, solar arc direction, or if you have just kind of these two planets in your birth chart and some sort of major aspect um, with one another, maybe this is also something that you've already experienced or um, that, you know, taking a trip, you know, kind of allowing that moon Jupiter energy to drive you, maybe that'll help to awaken something within you as well. Um, but yeah, I I don't want to go into the astrology too much just yet. <laughs> um, because. <laughs> It's an area where I can obsess and go a little bit too far and spend a little bit too much time. Um, but I really want to hear more about um, kind of your, the way that you would kind of define or, um, you know, express what the divine mother looks and feels like and how that might be different from kind of the the mother archetype, which can take on more of like a tangible form. Um, I think the two are inextricably linked but there's there's kind of some differences between the two maybe if we've had challenging experiences with our own mother or with our own mothering energy um kind of tapping into the divine mother energy or that archetype can be kind of a a different experience so um so I'd love to hear more about kind of your personal um kind of definition or or experience of the divine mother and and kind of how it's similar and different to this mother archetype that a lot of us experience on a more personal or tangible level that's a very interesting question and i mean you and me we have been talking about this because i think that also from a psychological perspective because i did study religious psychology which was really interesting that how we take something abstract and make it more defined in a way that that it makes it easier to relate to because there's a relationship. So if I go back again to my first journey with opening up and really connecting to the divine, whatever we want to call it, the, the eternal, the source of everything, the, that beyond the universe, everything, the collective, like this intelligence, this consciousness, which lacks this shape and form that we are speaking about now. So my first connection was with everything that had, like the only concept that I had to the divine, which was God. And in Western and many other languages, there's a gendered language. So, and I grew up with two languages, one which is not gendered at all. We don't, in Kurdish, we don't have he or she. And we don't name God in a pronoun. We don't say she or he either or it's nothing like that. But then also living in, in a Western society, so you hear he, he, he. And we're in a in a merging time now where we're also questioning these names and forms, right? And that's for a reason, because when we, our concepts, this starts in the mind that we've shaped something 
into a gender, even material things into gender. Some languages have that even. Swedish don't and English doesn't either. Um, so if we go back to my original concept and then coming into experiencing the divine feminine, um, it's actually, to me, the divine mother is not these forms and deities and everything that can it has been shaped into because they are you can start on the highest level there's only this eternal right so we can also see this as completely shapeless but we can also to just as a lot of the abrahamic traditions have maybe unconsciously or consciously it's become into a divine father which for me i i didn't realize but it took years before i understood why i didn't really connect with that concept and it's maybe my nature that connects deeper my psychology that really connects to this this creative force as a mother who has birthed everything but it's without shape and form and it is eternal and never changing and it's actually looking out from our bodies as well because we're not separate so when we come into that and then we come down into maybe more of a shape and form for me the divine mother has been the story of of her light has been told in different uh, historical uh, stories of, of Virgin Mary, of Isis, of different shapes that I can connect to. And um, even in, even in, in uh, traditions which do not shape the, the divine at all, they, you can still see it as a veiled, a woman, for example, like you cannot see her because it's not attainable like that. So this is a very abstract um, uh, shape, but for me, it it has naturally become that way. I, I don't mean that there's separate sources of life. There's one source, but how we feel and experience it can be different because we have different concepts because that's how our mind is. We like to shape things and to understand certain things. And that's that's the way we cope with our reality in this form. But when we uh, get into a higher plane, in, in the yoga philosophy and tradition, they say when you are in deep sleep, you're one with this eternal thing because you can't remember anything. You don't have any senses. You don't have a memory of yourself. You don't even remember what, what it was because you wake up and you just had a deep sleep. So there's a separation from uh, the creator and the what is created and which is not eternal because we come and go in this physical form. But then when I relate to God in all God's names, it, to me, it's it's a mother. So even if I would go into a church, it's the same 
God, but it's a mother to me. I, I question why in all of these Abrahamic traditions, it's called he. And then I come back to my own language, which there's no he or she even. So it would be almost absurd to say, she, there's no way for me to say it's in a female form because the female form is only on this plane. So that's the concept. So when we look at it that way, and then we are created women, and we have all come out of a womb that has come out from another womb that has come out from the wombs and wombs that have come before. We don't even know how far back to probably one womb created this. And we don't even realize that because we just remember our lineage, but then we have something in our brain that has made us forget what was there. So in the physical form, we have also been created, although we are not created by hum a human in real life, but our physical body and DNA is. So the mother uh, in the physical form, she embodies this creative force, but we are still humans with egos, karmic uh, patterns. We have different soul contracts. We have all these things and the society we live in, the time we live in. So there is no way that we could fully become <laughs> what has created. It's it's really hard to like try to, um, we can try to fully embody the divine feminine in different ways and in different times and with everything that the cycles of nature and everything, but it's hard to, we we're still the children of this force so we cannot parent like we're still very young and immature in this process so we can do our best as as like physical mothers those women who are or are having children you you can take on this um it depends on where you are in your journey, spiritual path. And so it's gonna it's gonna be like this force coming through you. And and I always say that this uh, energy of the divine mother is someone that is kindly holding your hand and and leading you forward, even in parenthood, even in everything that you do. So I rely very much on the support and the comfort and and that comfort is something that is not human made comfort or ego based comfort it's a surrender into like this arm heart and womb of something that we cannot name even that's really beautiful and i like that you kind of bring it all the way back to the beginning to kind of this genderless creation energy of creation um, and it is interesting that we've decided that we need to gender that um, because, you know, the mother, if we're thinking about it in this bigger, more abstract way, it doesn't actually have to be the woman, even though women have kind of, you know, embodied this energy of, of giving birth and creation in tangible form on earth. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting to think about that. Um, but I, I also love this idea of 
you know, those on the journey to becoming mothers, those who are mothers, those who are learning to mother themselves, and those who have mothers, or um, or those who have also kind of missed out on the experience of having a mother in the the tangible realm and in this physical realm, that there is this opportunity to, you know, to walk with the divine mother to kind of experience that love and that support and. Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, either from your personal experience or just kind of what you've seen and, and learned, um, you know, how can walking with and working with this divine mother archetype with her energy, how can that help us heal some of the, the wounds to the mother that we've experienced and and this isn't just about like our own personal experiences with our mothers and our mother wounds um, or experience of being mothers, but you know, this goes back pretty far in history. Anyone <laughs> who's um, you know, if if you identify as a woman, if you identify as maybe having been a woman in a past lifetime, I mean, mothers have been through millennia um, and you know, continuing today of being kind of disrespected um, despite kind of the importance of the role they play. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of risk in, in becoming a mother. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, abuse toward mothers and, and those in mothering roles. And um, it's not been something that's been particularly celebrated um, in a lot of cultures for a long time. And so a lot of us kind of carry that with us, um, either in our own personal experiences, again, of our mothers, our grandmothers, ourselves, um, or just through kind of this like collective inheritance and this this greater experience that the mother has been um, going through for, for again, like millennia now. Um, so I'd love to hear how you feel that kind of you know, working with this divine energy and this divine mother energy can kind of support us in this personal and collective healing journey? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. And I'm getting so many uh, messages around this, because if we go back to um, different creation stories and the, the mothers in the different creation stories, and now I'm going to refer to the Abrahamic tradition, there's been a little differences in each tradition but something did happen but at the same time it feels like there was a shift first around like a little bit more than 2000 years ago of the stories of women because before that it was very empowering and it was not seen as anything to have taboos on or control women in any way and something shifted maybe in the collective and maybe we've all been part of that as we can incarnate in both genders and forms um, and then we look at first in the Christian tradition how it was painted that and I mean Eve was like a Urmoder, as we say in Swedish, like the root mother, right? The first <laughs> woman. And, and where it's saying that she was created from Adam instead of the opposite. But then that has been questioned too, because 
the original story was not like that. And then in in the Muslim tradition, um, the, the, there's nothing that indicates that she was created from a man. So it's even more like evened out there because the society progressed during that 600 years. Um, and also maybe other insights came in and the, in, everything is interpretive. But if we're holding that collective um, programming of what this original woman did, in this is, I mean, this came from the Middle East and into the West. We have many other cultures that have different creation stories. So just to be uh, clear about that, but this has imprinted us. And then... Um, we look at how the Divine Mother's stories have been suppressed from the time of deciding what should be in in the Bible, and then maybe resurrected a little bit in the in the Quran. It's more like telling there. So, as you said, there's been a suppression of. The, the this divine gift to birth and to create within the womb and uh, it has correlated to a very uh, shifted consciousness into the masculine or the more young which has elevated accelerated and it it's really strong because we see it in the world and in our own consciousness it's not just a collective thing it's on the individual level maybe that's why it's so important for us who are here now that we reclaim we need to take the the back the female uh, form it's in the end maybe it will all merge together but we've been programmed for so long that there's been an extreme and we're going towards the other direction to pull that into balance again where there's no polarity and that can take very long as a long time maybe thousands of years before we come back to that so and also understanding that the 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 cycles of women and and because we work beautifully with the cycles in in the priestess tradition that I'm in, and we're working with this beautiful connection of the mother and child that is very very um, significant. And as you said, maybe in this lifetime we had a certain contracts, or maybe in our lineage there's certain contracts of uh, not having a mother, growing up without a mother, or uh, not having a good relationship, understanding that our physical mother is not um, is not really the creator or the mother. It's someone we have a contract with, or that we have divinely decided together to come into this life to learn and grow. But that we can always understand that there's a greater source, and that is that relationship is important, and. As you start reflecting your relationship on this level, you can also mirror back the relationship you have. But if you don't have a relationship with a divine spark or this divine creation, and that is disattached, then how can you 
and especially I'm just talking about patriarchal societies where if if you you don't have that vision of of women or the feminine taking place anywhere, how can you then um, take care of it? Although, again, I have to say that 2,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago in the text and in the Muslim tradition, the mother is very uh, high up. It's It says that the paradise is where your mother's feet are. So there, there is something that's happened in the latest um, millennia. And, and I see that in my studies of, of um, religion as well. As, and also now that I've been studying the Nordic traditions, how, for example, we have the indigenous people, the Sami people here, and they didn't have this patriarchal system of, in their religion where there was one leader and then it, it wasn't like that. It was very organic and very individualistic from village to village. And there was the the those that the shamans, they didn't uh, perform st- things that were for their interest. It was for the community to journey, to go into these journeys to serve, and that's really, and I would say, a more yin practice and a more community. Like all of these attributes are more. It's the opposite of hierarchy and and these structures that we've seen for such a long time, and why people are moving away from it and not wanting to be part of it. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring that up. I was thinking as you were sharing and. Um, you know, about kind of some of the earlier origins of more kind of patriarchal ideologies and and religions and things like that. And from my understanding, a lot of the more patriarchal kind of values and belief systems came from nomadic peoples. So, um, So people who didn't have a strong connection with the earth, with the land, um, whereas the people who had maybe kind of a more balanced cosmology um, when it came to the masculine and the feminine um, typically were more settled, like the the Sami people um, in you know northern parts of Scandinavia. Um, I think of like the Minoans and the ancient um, peoples of Crete and and things like that, who were these kind of more um, goddess-worshipping peoples. Um, anyone who had like a strong connection with the land, even thinking about like ancient Egypt, um, there was this connection to the Nile, to the land, to the fertility of the land. Um, whereas nomadic peoples, they benefited from war from being able to move from place to place and take over um which isn't inherently masculine but but definitely has been associated with the rise of the patriarchy over time and so even thinking about like ancient greece um you know so much of the mythology um kind of speaks to the the 
rise of the patriarchy and kind of the diminishment or the fall of the matriarchy, um, starting with Gaia, with um, the earth, she and Uranus, the sky, um, came together and created kind of all life on earth, this balance of the divine masculine and feminine. Although the divine masculine in this story, Uranus, um, decides he doesn't want her progeny to, to kind of take over or become part of the picture. So he's forcing them back into her. <laughs> the sky is kind of smothering the earth and preventing all of these new life forms from being born. And so that's where, um, you know, Saturn or Kronos comes along and has to like castrate his father so he can no longer prevent the earth from bearing offspring. Um, but but ultimately Gaia kind of loses her power um, in, you know, eventually Jupiter slash Zeus um, kind of kills off some of the um, like the animal competitors, essentially, like this snake um, being and and some other um, kind of sizable animals that that could have been kind of more balanced with mankind um, and with animals kind of representing the wild, but also this experience with and connection to the earth. Um, and ultimately, again, kind of man reigns supreme over Gaia, over the earth, um, over the animals and the animal kingdom, whereas the goddess was typically strongly associated with animals, especially with the snake. So we often see um, kind of this killing off of snake monsters, <laughs> um, which is kind of linked to these ancient snake fertility goddesses. Um, and and so, so there's this kind of, um, yeah, this, this interesting energy of, sorry, my dog is talking in the background. <laughs> she has something to say about this matter as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's this kind of interesting energy of, of peoples and like ancient peoples that didn't have a strong connection to the earth and um, because they weren't settled they weren't um deepening their connection to the earth to the waters and um, to the seasons and the cycles of the earth typically had more of these patriarchal values but again because they were warring in nature and um and you know felt this um you know, this this power um, to kind of overcome or overtake others with war, with weaponry. And that was kind of their their ability to rise to power. And we've kind of continued to see that, um, mm. that, that typically when there is some sort of patriarchal system, dictatorship, et cetera, um, and there's any sort of of effort to rebalance the masculine and the feminine, and um, there's the use of of war, of violence, and um, still today. Um, but it, it definitely makes me wonder if part of this reemergence of the divine feminine, like part of bringing her back into our collective experience and healing this this relationship with the mother. Um, is reconnecting with the earth, with the waters, with the seasons and cycles on earth, um, in order to to kind of remember um, kind of the importance of the divine mother. Um, anyways, that's just kind of what came to mind as, as you were sharing some of this, talking about some of these indigenous people who often do have such a strong connection to the earth and, and also like more of a balance um, between the masculine and the feminine. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, the earth is also created. So we can find, uh, just as we find within ourselves, that divine spark. And then we can connect it. Like maybe if we're completely disconnected from earth, we're also disconnected. Like it's a, 
balancing. And I, I find it really beautiful to understand that connection. And also that sometimes we're so also attached to this physical form on this planet, but we have no idea what what shape and form we were before this and after this, but somehow somewhere we were created and and everything else was created. So there is always that source to come back to if we forget or we we don't know where to it's always that that inner relationship to something and then that can also like infuse in everything in everything I love that um and yeah it's I think that it seems like you know for different people it's just going to be a matter of like what reconnects each of us to that source Mm -hmm. and you know for some people it could be prayer or meditation traveling to sacred sites um, a connection with the earth gardening a connection with the waters and you know the different elements I think it's just you know each of us has our own journey to Mm -hmm. that connection with um, that divine mother within us Um, and I you know, there's lots of ways of of thinking about that. Like some of it is just tuning in to ourselves. And some of it, you know, if we want to leverage astrology, it could be connecting with the moon and, you know, knowing what sign and element it's in, um, what house it's in, what aspects it's making. Um, the moon has such a strong link in astrology to the mother, um, both like a very tangible experience of the mother, but also kind of to the divine mother, um, to our soul, to our unconscious self. You know, we experience the moon through feelings, hunches, intuition, our emotions, um, and it carries this really strong soul memory for us. And especially when we look at the south node of the moon, um, which, you know, kind of helps us connect to the emotions and the feelings um, of who we've been in past lifetimes, kind of our personal karmic imprints entering into this lifetime. So the moon, um, its south node, and and also its north node, which kind of guides us forward, um, kind of this shining light, something that can help us continue to grow, help us continue to evolve, really understanding that full story of the moon and its nodes um, is such a power way to to understand ourselves better to understand our own personal way of, of reconnecting with the mother archetype with the divine mother um and and then you know if we want to go beyond the moon um there's the dwarf planet Ceres um which is uh Ceres was like the kind of divine mother archetype in Roman mythology um Demeter would have been her equivalent there's an asteroid for Demeter in Greek mythology we have an asteroid for Gaia the the earth the earth goddess and there's one for Haumea who's the Hawaiian creatress the Hawaiian mother goddess and from different parts of her body she created um the Hawaiian islands and and kind of that that mythology um you know Sheeran touched on Isis earlier um who through kind of magic when her um 
you know, counterpart, her husband Osiris passed away, was able to birth Horus. Um, and from Horus, um, all of the kind of pharaohs were birthed and kind of this, um, you know, powerful Egyptian line all kind of was said to have sprung from Isis and her magic. Um, there's also Kali, um, who is this goddess of destruction and creation, but she's also seen as this like compassionate mother, Kali Ma, um, and there's an asteroid for her. Um, and then, of course, you know, if we transcend astrology, if there's other, you know, more kind of either religious or or tangible forms of kind of this divine mother that can help us connect with um yeah, with this part of ourselves that's maybe craving that that divine mothering energy um, for healing ourselves, for healing the world. We can turn to Durga, um, kind of this Hindu mother of the universe, Yamoja, the Yoruban mother spirit. There's the Black Madonna, Miriam, and, um, you know, Sharon mentioned Mother Mary and, and so on. There's all of these different figures that we can connect with to really um yeah, kind of learn more about both our own relationship to the Divine Mother, um, again, using like astrology, but but also through prayer, meditation, reflection, different ways of study, you know, different ways of connecting with these Divine Feminine, Divine Mothering figures, um, all of those, those kind of avenues to, to her um, power, to her connection are invaluable ways of, of learning about the divine mother within ourselves and, and again kind of helping her re-emergence and, and reappearance um on this planet right now. Um and actually Sharon, I'd love to hear, you know, which of these or or which kind of like divine mother energies, kind of these more tangible forms, you know, either as like religious figures, mythological figures, um, or I know even for you, some um, people from kind of your family or your ancestry, which of them have been especially healing and empowering for you and your journey? Mm, I love first everything that you shared about astrology. And it's really interesting that in sometimes we have these shapes and forms for the planets as well and their energy and their mythology. And um, just to tap into that, an interesting thing that that came up for me, and which just because I'm studying the Sami religion now, is that when when the this their indigenous religion was mixed with Catholicism, Catholic, with the Catholic faith, that you started seeing this syncretism of of two religions coming together. You know that the the sun was a feminine form for them. So the Sami people see the sun as a feminine, like a feminine deity. And then when it started mixing with the Christian, it was actually Mother Mary's mother, which is Saint Anne. So then I started thinking about just the Leo archetype and the lion is always connected to, it's connected to goddess Ishtar, Inanna, it's connected to Sekhmet, it's connected to, even, even the Leo is connected to children. So why have, why is this not, why is the sun archetype uh, masculine? That's something that we also have to, to maybe, maybe the sun and moon are two aspects of the mother. 
the 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 moon is this nurturing you know motherly and and then the fierce mother and and that whole aspect the protective so i'm really interested in in that and and um it also reshapes even us who have done this work for a long time just to question some of the the forms and and also to understand that there's a lineage here when we talk about venus and and the the like the different archetypes and the the connections that she has with Taurus and 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 um, Libra, it also goes back in a lineage of all of these mythologies all the way back. And and what we know in written is is about uh, goddess Ishtar or Inanna because the first uh, signed um, author was the priestess of her. Other than that, we don't know who's who's written the text from 4,000 years ago. And before that, even older, there's still this these divine mother cults, cults and, and uh, mythologies. So it's really interesting. And and your question about the what has been inspiring me, it's I think that since and, and you know uh, my grandmother is and has always been like a power like a power woman for me and she embodied the divine mother in in her life of herself birthing 12 children who birthed 21 children who are birthing 13 plus like this whole lineage and coming from that tradition and everything i learned from her um, and the past years of um, the divine mother in in, in uh, Mariam, the beloved of God, like the beloved or or Mary, has been a very strong, and she's so connected to the first form of the divine feminine that came to me, because obviously she and her, Mary Magdalene were also priestesses, and sometimes. If you are on a high vibration and you do the work in this lifetime, you can elevate yourself. That's why she did did also her ascension into becoming this this divine symbol. So for me, um, she has also different shapes and forms, and and her her strength in overcoming the different sorrows and griefs that she went through making her also a very we we can relate to her stories so much in different ways she's not this unattainable image like she's really a powerful priestess and this embodiment of the divine so for me her her shapes and forms have become very very uh, prominent for me and I've seen the correlation with what I've seen in my grandmother's uh, journey in her life, the strength and power that mothers have to uh, what they do for their their children, which I think that it there's no stronger force than a mother's protection and the uh, the love that comes from there, even if it, we, some people don't experience it fully in this lifetime but it's really a powerful also a comforting force to have that I think thank you so much for sharing that Sharon um 
And I love the way you started that with kind of this questioning and, and rethinking of, um, you, you know, some of these astrological associations, but also even just um, kind of some of the archetypal associations we place on, on the masculine and the feminine, the mother and the father. Um, you know, I think about like ancient Egypt, even before Isis and Osiris, and um, there was Hathor and Ra, and Hathor was a sun goddess, just like Ra was the sun god, and they were counterparts, and they both embodied this energy of the sun. And there are also, um, you know, different mythologies. I believe in in Hindu mythology, or maybe it was ancient, like kind of you know much earlier. Um, that there was Chandra, who was a moon god, um, mm. and there have been other moon gods and, and kind of sun goddesses. And part of me wonders, you know, I, I think it would be incredible if if both the sun and the moon were kind of recognized as, as representing um, both the masculine and the feminine in their own right. Like there was a masculine side to the moon and a feminine side and same with the sun and all of the planets. Um, just because I think that's a much more accurate representation of what it means to be a man or a woman to embody the masculine or the feminine. Um, yeah. But I do sometimes wonder if, if part of the reason the moon has become linked to the feminine and, and the sun to the masculine in kind of Western astrology is because the mother is like the unconscious role that, and the father is the more conscious one with the sun kind of re representing consciousness and the moon and um, kind of unconsciousness. Like there's something about our experience of the mother of the mother archetype that's been pushed into the collective unconscious. Um, whereas we celebrated and acknowledged and, and, um, honored the son, the father more consciously. Um, whereas again, in other, um, you know, religions and mythologies with the, there being moon gods and sun goddesses, it almost makes me wonder if it was flipped where the mother was celebrated more consciously um, and the father was kind of more of this unconscious role. And from what we know in certain like ancient cultures, um, very, very ancient, um, like prehistorical cultures, which is why we can only know so much, um, it was common for women to have like sexual relations with multiple men so that the children um, wouldn't actually know who their fathers were and the fathers wouldn't know who their children were. And that made it like less of this kind of possessive small family unit and more this feeling that like I could be the father of anyone <laughs> in this community of, of children. So we protect everyone. Um, and, and again, it kind of helped to prevent there from being these like um, familial bloodlines and hierarchies, which we kind of got into later once we knew who the father was. Um, but, but again, kind of this not knowing who the father was, kind of moving the father into the unconscious, um, kind of seemed to serve a purpose at that point in time. It prevented there being kind of this more like warring, competitive bloodline energy that, that of course came about later on. Um, but yeah, it's just a really interesting gosh, like so much on this topic. <laughs> it's yeah. just so fascinating. We're um, open up, opening up these boxes. Yeah. Never ending. Pandora's <laughs> boxes. Yeah. Um, but I want to, to really quickly, um, my, unfortunately, my beloved 
dog Vesta is starting to lose patience with me <laughs> and this podcast, but but I'd love to um, just share a quick thought on something I had read and, and kind of hear your perspective on it before we start to close. Um, so I read this really interesting book called Mysteries of the Dark Moon by astrologer Demetra George. Um, and in that book, she brought up this idea that I never had thought of before, which is basically that the great goddess and the divine mother um, are are cycling with these multi-millennia, many thousands of years, um, kind of phases of the moon, essentially. Um, and so, you know, when the the divine feminine, when the goddess was kind of at her peak, would have been kind of um, the equivalent of the full moon phase um, in this experience that we've had with the goddess over the course of, um, you know, many, many millennia. Um, and she says that maybe, you know, since the rise of the patriarchy, we've actually been in the dark moon phase um, of the goddess. So she's been kind of in hiding in this um, space of rest, of endings and release just before a rebirth as we kind of transition into a new moon phase, um, this, this, this epic rebirth of the goddess. And I thought that was such a fascinating idea that that maybe just like everything else the goddess kind of represents and um, this, this cyclical nature of the goddess, cyclical nature of earth um, and, and so on, maybe this phase we've been in is an ending, is kind of, um, you know, the the end of an experience we've had with the divine mother, with the great goddess, and we're about to begin something really new. Um, and so I have personally have been, ever since I read that, I've been noticing more and more, and maybe it was, you know, power of suggestion, but but I really feel like there has been this resurgence, this, this kind of, um, you know, mass reappearance of the great goddess with more and more people, um, you know, pursuing priestess paths and, um, you know, worshiping the goddess and wanting to connect with the divine mother and, and, you know, just kind of being interested in this divine feminine energy and, and wanting to balance it. People kind of challenging um, more patriarchal authoritative systems and, and power systems. Um, and so I really do get the sense that there is this rebirth, this new moon phase that um, we're either approaching or, or just beginning. And um, I'd love to hear just kind of you know, maybe on a collective level, on a personal level, how you've witnessed this reemergence of the divine mother of, of this great goddess energy. Um, and also, you know, from your perspective, what each of us can do to kind of support this reemergence, this rebalancing of the masculine and feminine energies. And um, mm. yeah, I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds definitely like something that is happening. Just look at uh, women's rights over the past 100 years. 100 years sounds a lot, but it's not a lot in, in, in our big timeline and of these thousands and ten thousands of years that we can even trace back. We have no idea like how far back we can go. So it's really happening on a collective level that 
um, the the feminist rising is due to this imbalance and uh, if we want to balance the world we need to reclaim our our human rights and our uh, just basic birth rights which are stripped away for many women still and then looking what you said having this this um, it's really interesting that you said that we're starting a new moon and a new cycle because look what's happened over the past decades of repressing our cycles and not having a cycle just that control that has been put on our body which i mean the moon is naturally connected to us because of the the cycles as well uh, we have that connection we have those phases within our body and when we suppress that we're like constantly in a state of not releasing and recreating the energy so imagine how many million women are are in that state and it's uh, it's it's a product of the patriarchy as well because there could be other um solutions for for it rather than to stop and most women don't understand that they're not having a cycle that's the scary thing women are are asking and claim and reclaiming information now and there's so many women doing it it's not on only on the spiritual level it's in the healthcare uh, area health area and a cycle awareness area and fertility awareness area and then also that women are starting to view uh, the birth as a divine process as well and having support from a doula understanding how magical it's been downplayed what the pregnancy you're supposed to do everything as you were doing uh, it's medicalized birth it's uh, everything that happens afterwards so we need to reclaim that on so many levels and we're doing it in different ways so i definitely can see that what what you're saying a lot has happened even the past 10 years even when we were uh, teenagers like what a big shift and then in some areas it looks like it's going the wrong direction so maybe that needs to happen for it to like inflate yeah, I love that. Um, it does feel like on a personal level, I've talked to so many women and, you know, we're seeing kind of a collective trend of of reconnecting with um, our menstrual cycle, you know, some call it our moon cycle and, um, and yeah, and really kind of focusing on like feminine health and reproductive health, which is an area of expertise for Sharon as well. She has her master's in that area. Um, but, but it's definitely, it seems like that's, that's one, um, of kind of the very personal ways that we can reconnect with this feminine energy and this feminine power as well, um, mm -hmm. is becoming more curious about ourselves and, and our own personal health, kind of reclaiming control there. And in that regard, and um, reclaiming kind of our power to choose our own paths, to choose what's right for us. And um, for a lot of 
folks in um you know the the western and and certain parts of like the developed world education is kind of a given for women but in many other parts of the world that's not and so kind of the power um to to be educated to think critically to have mm-hmm. a voice to have a mind is something that um you know many people are kind of reclaiming right now as well many women but but also men too kind of as part of this process of more collective reempowerment um mm-hmm. and yeah are there any other kind of like ways that you can think of um either movements that that people can connect with that you've seen or um, like I know you've been on a priestess path and initiation, like um, other things that if people are really feeling this call right now that they can do to kind of reconnect with that feminine mm. energy, re-empower that, that divine mother energy within themselves. Yeah, I think everything starts with ourselves. That's where most of our journeys begin to Uh, connect back to our bodies connect back to our own stories about ourselves and other women and and uh, coming into I really love when we start uh, reading her story (laughs) because when we studied in in school it was his story and it was filled with wars and conquests and all of this so we haven't really read so it can be very inspirational to uh, tap into the mythologies but also the stories the saints I mean there's endless inspiration and I think when we start we will be guided to to the right place but I really think that and for me it was definitely starting to connect with my own body heart and womb connection and uh, understanding that you know, because in in yogic philosophy, all that is manifested is is the goddess, is it, it's the Maya, it's the the physical form that we hold. Is that, I think that can that can really be healing because we haven't been allowed to do that e- either. So reclaiming that power, what it means to be embodied in in a in a physical body as well. Thank you so much, Sharon. And yes, to embodiment. Um, I feel like that's definitely an area where women have been kind of forced or coerced or encouraged um, to hold so much shame for so many millennia at this point. Mm-hmm. And even people born, um, you know, in places and times where there's less of that shame and we still might find that we hold it like physically in our bodies this inherited memory of shame and guilt um around the feminine things we've maybe inherited from our mothers our grandmothers our great 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 grandmothers and and so on um trauma that we hold around those parts of our bodies as well and so um yeah it's i i really love that kind of starting with the body and and kind of seeing where that guides you and where that takes you. Um, and before we close, I'd really love to hear. Um, so Sharon recently created this beautiful love positivism oracle deck. Um, definitely divinely femininely <laughs> yes, 
inspired. <laughs> and um, and I'll show a couple of pictures of it. And um, for folks who are you know tuning in on YouTube, you can check these out. And um, I'll share some of them when I announce this podcast on social media. You can also check them out. Um, some pictures of it on Sharon's page. She'll be showing more and more from the Oracle deck in you know the weeks and months to come. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and share a few of those pictures while mm-hmm. Sharon kind of talks about her journey with this deck um, and, you know, kind of what this creation means for for her personally. Mm, Thank you, Dana. I'm really excited to share this because it's it's tapping into so much of my journey um, and my the, the healing paths that I've been on. And it really came from this experience of that we need to heal on all levels sometimes we we tap into our physical body or we tap into our energy body and then something is is happening over there and and something is happening in the body we're trying to fix everything um what what i've seen from chinese medicine yogic philosophy and from my own experience are these five layers of our being, our physical, mental, emotional, energetic, and spiritual bodies. The spiritual being um, our more astral body, which connects to our past lives and to our lineage. So for me, when creating these, I entered last year of a strong notion that I'm going to work with my ancestry and my ancestral lineage. And I said, this will be the year of our ancestors. And I want to say that that's also a powerful thing to do if you want to reconnect, is to connect with your uh, female ancestors. Mm -hmm. If you feel like you want to work with that feminine strength and and the the lineage, the wombs that have come before you and also to heal it. So these cards are, it's a healing oracle and uh, it's more of guiding anyone can use it and even if you are not working on a spiritual level right now you can still work with these cards they give you not only these beautiful images which the the beautiful divine sister Lori Mena has created from the messages that I've channeled uh, she's created these beautiful collage arts uh, her uh, Instagram account is cosmic collage and this one that you have are showing here, yeah, this is this is actually I've connected a lot to our uh, Kurdish lands with these, and you can see the Kurdish temples in the background and the symbols, and like you said, the snake is a really divine feminine symbol. So the the cards themselves, when you look at them, I I had the intention that they hold healing energy just in themselves. The card. And then in the cards, whatever you draw, if you want to draw something for yourself or for someone else, or you just want the message or a guidance, right? Then you can read what you what type of practice you can do that day or what to think about. So the blue card, which is the one that you're showing, it's connected to our mental body, our thoughts, uh, how we can meditate. This is, for example, how to release limiting thoughts which we all have, which can hold hold us back. Um, so 
I really tap into these ancient traditions and my, into my own lineage in, in these cards to provide easy and simple ways to work on healing on all levels. That's important. So we don't forget that we have these layers. We're not just one shape. We have so many layers. Yeah, this is such a beautiful deck, Sharon. I just, Thank you. I can't wait for it to, to be in broader dis distribution so I can get my hands on a copy as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm now they're available to pre-order on the big platforms like Amazon and ah. um, all of these. And, and they're going to be released in in two about two months but for those who pre-order now i have a special form on, on my website i've uh, devoted myself to do three card personal readings for everyone who pre-orders so if you do pre-order the cards you can go to my website and and then fill in the form so i know and then i will i will do a personal reading for all of you who do pre-order. Wow, that's such a gift. Sharon's readings are so beautiful. Um, and her website is lawofpositivism.com. Um, so you can, I'll, I'll include all of Sharon's information, her website, her social media, and so on in the um, podcast description for people who want to go check that out. And um, I definitely say go on her website to do the pre-order because getting a reading from Sharon is, is a really beautiful and powerful experience. Um, oh, well, thank you so much, Sharon. This has been such a yeah. special <laughs> conversation. I've, I always, um, you know, learned so much from you and um, yeah, I just, see if I can stop the share. I'm not super talented at this, but that's okay. I'm just going to leave the share up to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has just been such a powerful conversation. I, I hope that everybody who's tuned in and, and listened to this podcast episode, um, you know, glean some useful insights, maybe some new perspectives on the feminine, on the divine mother, on your own experience of that mother archetype and energy. And, um, and yeah, I just, every time I come together with Sharon, I feel like there's so much healing energy. So I hope that you got to experience that as well. Um, and that it's, it's something that, yeah, can, you can kind of hold and, and carry with you. Um, as always, if you want to connect with either of us um, in the podcast notes, I'll share both of our information so you can connect with us and um, definitely check out Sharon's new Oracle deck because um, I, I really, there's, you know, a lot of Oracle decks in the world at this point, but this one, everything that Sharon puts out there is just very filled with, with healing energy, with love, um, and, and it's the kind of deck that that I know you'll be able to work with and feel good after <laughs> um no like negative and um, you know bring you down kind of messages in this deck mm -hmm. so um so yeah thank you so much Sharon and would you like to share anything before we close yeah I just want to thank you for holding this space and creating this beautiful uh, podcast and I mean, we've been journeying together for a long time now, and, and I'm really excited to see whatever we are going to create in the future with the Divine Mother always. 
Yes, me as well. Thank me as you. well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sharon. And um, I hope you. everybody who tuned in today has a beautiful rest of their day, beautiful rest of their week. And um, yeah, continue to tune into Karmic Imprints and, and definitely check out Sharon's podcast as well. You'll see me featured there sometimes talking about astrology. And, um, and that's you can find at Law of Positivism. Okay, thank you again. Take care, everyone. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Karmic Imprints podcast. If you'd like to check out more episodes, you can tune in over Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other major podcasting services, and hit the subscribe button to keep up with new content as it comes in. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you.